Hey, it's Greg Grunberg, the great, big, beautiful actor from Star Wars, Star Trek, and geeking out on AMC. Oh, co-author of Dream Jumper. I think I plugged everything. But you are listening to the great, big, beautiful podcast. Have you ever been to Disneyland? Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs, high-def TV. You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... You never know what's going to happen nowadays. Like, if you're on the public domain in any spectrum, and I'm small-time, your real life can be yelped. Yeah. So, and that's what people don't realize. Oh, I want to be a YouTuber. Okay, well, prepare for your whole life to be yelped 24 hours a day by your wife, by your kids, by your friends, by strangers. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBB Podcast, and Twitter at the GBB Podcast, and anywhere that you can get your podcasts online, on your phone, in the bathroom. I don't know where you get them. That's where you get it. How are you doing today, Jamie? I'm doing excellently. Excellently. I'm doing great. And this is going to be a unique episode because this is the first time I think we've interviewed somebody who... Um, who is quickly making a name for himself. Well, I mean, we've interviewed people like that, but someone who's one of our personal friends. So I've never had a friend that was worthy enough to be like, hey, let's interview him for the podcast. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, now. Oh, sorry, Jamie, but you're on it, dude. You're on it. <laughs> okay, fair so, enough. Fair enough. So instead of uh, we normally shoot, we shoot, or shoot the breeze for a few minutes, I'm just going to get into it. And we're going to introduce you to Christian Lee, and Christian is a stand-up comic and founder of YouTube channel Dad Sews, where he is teaching himself how to sew on camera. He doesn't sew anywhere else except for the camera when he films. He doesn't practice. So his videos are hilarious and engaging, and he's quickly making a name for himself. Most recently, he made a male romper video, which Life of Dad shared, and it's been seen millions of times. He'll be able to tell you because he knows the number exactly how many millions, but we'll let him tell you that. And besides Dad Sells, Christian is also an adoptive parent and writes about family and his experience of being a father of a mixed-race family. And he's my friend and Jamie's friend and friend of the podcast. Welcome, Christian. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> We're so Thank excited. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to be here. I like the real celebrity, non-celebrity buildup you gave me. That was yeah. excellent. <laughs> Yeah, he's just a guy. We couldn't fill. Uh, we couldn't fill our spot, so we just got like Christian. normally when you're getting ready to do stand up and you got a guy opening for you or a guy introing you, you usually go, "Don't read any of my credits." But on a podcast, you got to like give that credibility to make yourself seem awesome, so people aren't like, "I'm going to skip this episode." <laughs> so yeah. So when you're doing, if if somebody's not going to read your credits when they're introducing you for the stage, like what do they say? Um, really, you would just say like, Hey, here's a really funny guy. I mean, very famous comedians get very ticked off when you like start rattling off their credits. I mean, I'm nowhere near that, but even like Seinfeld back in the day, mm-hmm. he's like, no, nah, don't introduce me as a, just bring me up. 
just bring me yeah. up. Say, here's another comedian, you know, it, and if a guy only has mid-level credits, it just leads the people to believe like, oh, you just read 10 things and I don't recognize this person. He's going to be horrible. <laughs> well, that reminds me of uh, when Billy Bob Thorne, it went viral. He was on a radio show on CBC up here. It's called Q. And he told the host not to mention the band or that he was an actor. He didn't want anyone yep. to know that. And then he I remember flipped that. out when he, and if you listen to it, Gian Gomeshi, we won't talk about it. He's another story, but if you listen to it, he, he didn't really, he just did it to give it context. You know, why he was in at, why he was in a band, like the band sucked. You know, and that's the only reason yeah. he was really there. <laughs> it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter though. I mean, I was on Billy Bob's side with that one. Like when you like request, Hey, either hit this point, if I'm coming on your show or don't hit this point, I'll come on your show, man, just respect it. Just talk to right. the guy about well, his and, stupid and, music. And Gian Gomeshi turned out to be the biggest, uh, if you go Google them, I'm not going to talk about it here. Right. You'll see. <laughs> so, gotcha. so Christian, you recently on dad. So as you hit 3000 subscribers, was that today? Are we talking to you? On um, it was, uh, I think it was yesterday, maybe like at midnight a couple of days ago. And what's funny is I have a tablet hooked up in my studio now. That's always on, almost always on like a nightlight at nighttime. And it's just ticking away <laughs> my subscribers because I've become an egomaniac, but really th <laughs> 3000 subscribers in YouTube is nothing. But the fact is my subscribers are engaged with me. So there might be a person with 30,000 subscribers that has a lot less engagement with their people than I do at three. And I will take that every day of the week. What I was going to say, because it's interesting, you know, we talk about uh, numbers in, in YouTube channels, especially because everybody's out there on YouTube trying to, you know, see what sticks basically. And dad so's for you was not the first thing that you did. Um, so, I mean, was it, did you keep the same channel that you had for, for you did plaid dad? So, I mean, was it the same yeah. channel or did you start a new one? Well, no, it's new. I started plaid dad blog with my, uh, blogging partner, Aaron. I don't just say partner anymore. Cause for a while there were a bunch of bloggers that assumed we were married, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's just the word doesn't mean that anymore. Uh, <laughs> so we started plaid dad blog and we make silly dad videos occasionally and then I came out with my podcast, What Are We Watching um, podcast, with my son, where I watch kid shows with him, like Nickelodeon shows that I hate. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how he loves them, and I just talk about how they're horrible. And then uh, that's awesome. But we left that on the Plaid Dad channel, which was a mistake. I was a YouTube newbie, so I really didn't know how to do things properly at that point. But once I started Dad Sews, I was like, everything's new. I mean, I don't even open it in the same window on Chrome, man. It's like incognito mode. I am a different dude on yeah. Dad So. So, you know, I just went ahead and did everything different. We still run some Dad So stuff on Plaid Dad just to cross-populate it. But, yeah, it's its own separate thing. And Aaron's not really involved other than, you know, helping me whore it out on social media, which is nice. Was it a, I mean, that's gotta be kind of a leap of faith though. Like when you have a channel or a platform and it doesn't matter if you've got, you know, 10 followers or 10,000, you know, it's like you feel connected to those people because they followed you for a reason. Right. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to do this other thing now and I'm going to start all over from zero. <laughs> well, I guess the good thing is I really didn't have that many followers before. <laughs> I mean, we had people that like liked us and loved us and that was appreciated, but our numbers were nowhere near. I mean, our first year, 
when I say our, it's mostly mine. My first year at Dad Sews, uh, we hit a thousand subscribers in the first year. There are plenty of channels that hit a million subscribers in three months. It's not like I went viral or anything like that, but people keep seeing our tutorials, finding us, subscribing to us. They like that what I do is different. And it's probably why I have less subscribers because of what I do is different. I show my mistakes. I once did a video where I was supposed to put a patch on my daughter's jeans. I couldn't figure out how to do it. The video ends with us at Goodwill and me buying her a <laughs> pair of jeans. That's how the video ends. And people were commenting and going, well, how do you actually do it? And I was like, I don't know. Leave it in the comments. I'm not sure. I, I didn't do it. And they're like, seriously, this is a sewing tutorial. I said, no, 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 no. This is sewing in front of the camera live, me learning as you learn. So I learn from my viewers just as much as they learn from me. I haven't had a lot of fails lately, but that's only because when I do fail, I want to do something really big. Like we're going to be doing something very, very big this summer, like destructively big. Um, when I got my current sponsor, which is a fabric store that sells um, Juki machines, which are beautiful, um, I shotgunned my old machine and then had the Juki come to me out of the sky from heaven. So I like to go big. So that's that might be the reason I don't have 50,000 subscribers. They're just into sewing because I'm going to be humorous. I'm going to talk about social issues. I brought up um, sweatshops in one of my episodes and people were like, did you just bring up sweatshops in an episode and touch on adoption? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. That's how I roll with dad. So, so, you know, it's not just straight sewing. It's, it's inter infotainment, I guess. I like that. Cause I watch, I, I watch it not just cause I'm your friend. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually entertained by the content and I don't sew at all. And I watch the full right. tutorial, you know, so that speaks to it. Right. And there's probably plenty of people like that. Yeah, one of my best quotes that I have on my website was from another male blogger. And he said, I went to look at this dude's page and it had F-bombs in it and everything. He's like, I was like, no F way. I'm watching this thing. He said, 22 minutes later, I've watched the whole thing. I'm entertained. I'm actually considering looking at a sewing machine. You know, it's just, I, I was able to draw him in. And that's one of my most proud moments. If you can do that and have a guy just write up that review and say, look, you need to know this about your site. That made me super happy. I mean, also people talk to me, they're like, oh man, I'm adopted. And it just means a lot to me that you did that. Thanks for bringing it up on your podcast that's, or your videos. That's an important thing. So um, I just want to entertain people and hopefully they learn how to sew something while we're at it. Why sewing? Okay, so I was doing Plaid Dad, and it was two years ago. It was Christmas time. I called my uh, partner Aaron up, and I said, look, I need to hem a pair of my jeans, but I'm getting ready to turn 40 next year, and I'm so embarrassed that I still ask my mom to hem my jeans. Um, <laughs> like, so much that I was going to see a seamstress on the side. So, I, because uh, my mom, honestly... Honestly, she's horrible at hemming jeans. So uh, they always look like the way your grandmother did them. So... Um, so I started dad sews on a lark. I said, what if I did something with the sewing machine? I bought my wife that she never touched and it went horribly wrong. And then I destroyed the sewing machine. And he was like, oh, that's great. So our very first video, I couldn't thread the machine. 
Uh, legitimately, I could not figure out how to do it. So my kids and I did a shot-for-shot shot remake of the fax machine scene from Office Space, and we destroyed it shot for <laughs> shot. I didn't have like the sweet pans because it was only me and a stationary <sighs> camera, but I actually run the Office Space video on that. You can go to dadsos.com slash Office Space and see it. And um, uh, I don't get money for it because we use the real music, but it, it's a beautiful thing. It actually doesn't have that many views because it was one of my first videos, but it's the video that people were like, oh, this guy's different. I'm going to watch him and everything built off of that. Did, um, you know, we, we talked about you doing stand up, and I, I do want to ask you a little bit more about that, but like sure. stand up and performance in front of a live audience is um, in some ways similar, but in some ways very different than doing something for the camera, which could then be seen by potentially millions of people. But do you think that that performance experience that you had in front of a live audience prepared you or gave you that that, that personality that was going to say, you know what, I, I could make this work on YouTube. Like, I, I don't have a problem with putting myself out there. Yeah, um, it definitely... I, it makes you better. It just makes you better. Um, first of all, I have eaten it in front of crowds. I have gone hard at crowds that have not <laughs> gone my way. Um, most comics um, <laughs> build up a resilience or they stop. And the only reason I stopped was because we adopted two children that were from foster care, older kids. And I didn't want to be gone five nights a week because that's what I would do. I would be at a bar five nights a week or um, a club, wherever I could go traveling a state or two away, um, crashing over the night and coming back. And I didn't want to do that because there's this attachment period with adoption and you have to attach to them. Now, luckily our, our kids were all in and I realized like two years later, I should have stuck with the comedy, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> no, they were, they were great. And, but it's because we were there all the time and spent the time with them. But yeah, you just build up a thicker skin. I mean, I've had people look at me with the flattest of face. Like, I don't think you're funny. I don't think you're interesting. I don't want to be here. But I built up the skill of being able to look at that person going, hey, you don't want to be here, you know, yeah. and I would just talk about that because I, I can take it. If you, It's that old saying of if you can't take it, don't dish it out. Right. I, I, I love to dish. So I love to take. <laughs> so and, and I started in regular, oh, I'm sorry, but I started in regular clubs. And then once we adopted the kids, I started speaking about adoption a lot more. Um, I was on the board of an adoption agency for a while, and I started to do a lot of stand-up in churches, which meant tweaking my act just a titch, because I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan of all language, um, as God and George Carlin gave it to us. So I, um, I, I did a lot of those kind of shows, but those shows were for charity or, or for raising money for adoption, things like that. And I'll still do that kind of thing. But nowadays when I go on a speaking engagement, I do it as a podcaster and take my son last year. He had his very first speaking engagement in Phil yeah, in Philly. And, um, my daughter has been on TV multiple times. She's written a children's book with me that we're working on getting published. And, uh, you know, there's lots of things happening because of just being online and, and doing things. And they've gotten to talk to TV stars. They love Millie Davis is the, uh, the leader of odd squad on PBS. And 
if you look up Millie Davis on YouTube, we kind of own her name. <laughs> you know, we're the first one that pops up because we got there so early. And my daughter looks just like her. She's like a mini her or clone. And uh, so she was like the queen of school for a week and a half. She was like, I just talked to Millie Davis last night. <laughs> you guys can eat it. So it was fun. You know, something I keep thinking about, um, we've talked to other people, you know, people who have whatever industry they're in, they've been around a while and they've seen the way fan interaction um, change with, with, you know, how people can talk to them, you know, with, through social media or how um, the, you know, famous people in quotes are now so approachable. And uh, it seems like almost anybody with, the internet can have their own platform, you know? And I mean, that's why, you know, YouTubers nowadays is, is become a thing. You know, people want to be a YouTuber. They, YouTubers are stars, they're celebrities, but they're just people. They're just people who, right. you know, set up an account on YouTube with Google and, and just started doing their own thing. Um, I mean, from your perspective, I mean, you're, you're looking at it as a YouTuber, as somebody who's, you know, found success online, um, I mean, what are the drawbacks there, though? I mean, anybody with any kind of message. I mean, you talk about being a dad and adoption issues and sewing and being involved with your kids' lives, which is great. But then there's the flip side of that, which is people who don't have nice things to say or have very ugly things to right. say. And they have just the same amount of leverage and the platform, you know, that that you might. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a couple examples of that. One is when I talk about adoption, I don't want to talk about everything about our mm. adoption because there's private things with the kids. So I don't always go into that. But the other thing is I can't always be honest online and on social media about things or not 100% honest. I can bring up stuff up to 70%. But yeah. because people don't understand innuendo, people don't understand tone, people definitely do not understand understand sarcasm <laughs> online. There's no sarcasm font. And even if there was, people still wouldn't get it. I mean, I say things that people that think they're funny don't understand. And, you know, it's and maybe sometimes I miss the mark and it's not funny. That's fine. I'm always willing to say that, but there are plenty of things that I've gotten positive feedback that people have ripped me and torn me up about. Now, usually it's when it comes to race because I talk about race. Um, I just recently went to a dad blogging conference and did a sat on a board or a, a table where we talked about race for an hour and most of the people got it. Most of the people said, oh, okay, I understand he's coming from this positive place. So I will filter everything that he says about race and the jokes he makes through the, the window that I know he's coming from a positive place. But when you just throw something up on Instagram or throw something up on Facebook, people don't always get that, oh, you're a good guy. Oh, you're pro that you're pro women, you're pro, uh, black, you're pro this, you're pro that, you know, they just take that one sentence and go, Oh, that sounds horrible. So <sighs> you have to be super, um, careful with what and how you say things. And sometimes I have to preface it, which ruins the tone of a joke. So that I can get in trouble with. Now, the other side of it is we were recently about a month ago, I was out with, um, my two boys. Um, and we look different, you know, we're a different looking crew and, uh, we were just shopping around like a Whole Foods 
And this woman just said, oh, hey, Christian. And I looked at her and you know, you go through that brain Rolodex like, oh, where do I know her from? Where do I know her from? And uh, I said, oh, hey, how are you doing? As if I knew her, you know, I'm working. (laughs) And she goes, yeah, I I follow you online. I just wanted to say hi. And I was like, oh, and (laughs) then we had a conversation about the meat in my hand for about five minutes, which was interesting. (laughs) And uh, so as she walked away and I walked away, I thought, thank God I wasn't just yelling at these two kids like I was three nights ago in Walmart and just just losing my mind, you know, because we've all had those moments. If you say you don't, you're lying. And if you haven't, your kids are imaginary and you're a crazy person. <laughs> so, it, you know, it could have gone both ways. And what if she had seen me chewing out my kids? Would she have like written this nasty post about me? Would yeah. she have tagged me and I see it? Would she not have tagged me and let people know? You never know what's going to happen nowadays. Like if you're on the public domain in any spectrum and I'm small time, your real life can be yelped. So, and that's what people don't realize. Oh, I want to be a YouTuber. Okay. Well, prepare for your whole life to be yelped 24 hours a day by your wife, by your kids, by your friends, by strangers. So that's interesting. So protect like do you when when you do your online stuff are you careful what you send out to like really careful or do you ever let things slip you know like information about private information do you ever have things show up or nobody's name on social media is their real name at this point of my kids i well i don't use their last names or um things like that so um i've always used my stage name on online so yeah, it's just um, I keep some things. It's it's semi private, but honestly, if people wanted to try to figure it out, they they could figure all that stuff out. You can only be so private. And some dads get um, a lot of flack online of, oh, you're using your kids to monetize them, and you're making money off your children. Well, my kids want to be involved. If they don't want to be yeah. involved, they're not involved. My kid wants to do a podcast because he got to talk to Chris Tallman from the Thundermans. My daughter wanted to do a podcast because she got to talk to Millie Davis and be queen of the day you know at school now oliver he's three he doesn't have a choice i tell him to dance he dances when he gets old <laughs> enough i'll give him the choice <laughs> so was that a was that a um i mean i want to say was that a discussion that you had you know with yourself or with your wife you know when you first started because what when my daughter was five she's eight now but when she was five um we started doing these uh she started interviewing people and we did these videos and i put them up on youtube and um, she ended up doing a whole bunch of them. She, had, she talked to Buzz Aldrin. She talked to a whole bunch of authors and, and, and people. She had a great time, and they were really um, a lot of fun, and she learned a lot. But there was a point at the beginning when I was like, well, I don't really know what's happening to these videos. I mean, I put them out on YouTube, and, you know, they get some likes, and they get some comments, and I can see the views. But, you know, like, it was that weird, queasy feeling in my stomach. They're like, I don't really know where these videos of my kids are going once they're out in the world. Yeah. Like, anybody could be doing something with this. Yeah, I think one thing is people overblow it because of a couple really rotten eggs. The dad of five, that guy, um, yeah. some rotten eggs. But then again, circus families have always been circus families, man. <laughs> there are people that were just hanging up their tightrope when the circus closed that for five generations their family walk that tightrope, you know, there's uh, lion tamers that have done it because their great, great granddad did it. It's a thing. 
There, if I go to my favorite pastry shop in Boston, I go in there, there's an eight-year-old behind the counter running the register. Is that legal? You know what? I don't care. I just want my lobster tail. <laughs> I think it's awesome. He's working for the family business. I have worked with hotels in my past life in uh, the digital era, and they're all family businesses. It's just a thing. Granted, not a million people are watching them. That being said, my romper video, because we're always going to bring it back to whoring me out, my romper video <laughs> was filmed by my son, who just turned 11. That video was picked up by ABC's The Chew when they saw it on BuzzFeed. And, you know, Mario Vitale's talking about how he loves my man romper and laughing about it. <laughs> and my son filmed that segment. I know mm -hmm. people will be like, well, he didn't really film a TV segment. Heck, he didn't. He filmed that thing. It looked great. It got on TV. That's a credit in my book. In today's world, that is a credit. It's not about, it's not only about math and science class anymore. You can say, right. I hosted this show. I worked with this celebrity. I was on this television show. I did camera work for this. I have a podcast, you know, I have 30,000 hours in broadcasting and I'm 13 years old. That's a marketable skill. So I see it as a positive. If it becomes a negative, guess what? I'll stop. Yeah. Do you have any, I mean, I'm a vlogger as well. Uh, I don't I haven't really talked about it on this podcast and we do YouTube and I know the answer for me, but for you, have you ever felt like putting your kids on? Did they don't really can't consent to it? Have you ever had that thought in your head? Like, how do you get past that? Well, I, um, Okay, my my three-year-old son, Oliver, when that whole Ryan Lochte thing came out, and I know Justin saw this, I made a, um, <laughs> I got on Vine right at the right moment. It was literally three days before they said we're shutting down Vine. Um, <laughs> and I did these little videos called Little Lochte where he would say something happened and then you found out he was a liar. And I'm really proud of him. They got like, I don't know, like 30 and 50,000 loops. And for a new person, I thought that was pretty good, actually. Um, and we put special effects on him. It was fun. Now, did he know who Ryan Lochte was? No. Did he understand why I was putting him in a bathing suit and a medal? No. <laughs> did I care? No, I really didn't. It was really funny. Right. And he'll be able to appreciate it when he's older. And if not, guess what? Vine's dead. So <laughs> it all worked out in the end. <laughs> it, 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 you talk about the consent from the kids, though. And it's funny because, again, I did all these interviews. My daughter did all these interviews. She probably did, what, 40 of them. Right. And like she knew I was filming them. She came up with all the questions. She did the interviews. I videoed them. I, you know, I, I showed her when I put them online and everything. And like two years after the fact, she starts, you know, in her friends at school start talking about YouTube and YouTubers and YouTube channels. And she came home one day and said, and, you know, she's like, Daddy, we, we should have a YouTube channel. I was like, well, honey, we do. Like, where do you think your videos have been going? And she's like, <laughs> what right. like that blew her mind that like she was a youtuber in, in like her first grade classmates eyes she had no idea she like she i guess like she thought that she was just talking to people for fun like she didn't really realize what we were doing with those videos yeah. and those experiences yeah, and, and ollie doesn't realize it but he also i if he said papa i don't want to do this um 
See, there's another lie. They don't call me dad at home. They call me papa. Um, if he said, papa, I don't want to do this. I'd be like, all right, fine. But if he's, if I said, Hey, Ollie, do you want to help papa with the video? I'll take a few minutes. And he says, yes. And then we do it three times and he's becoming a pain in the butt. I just go, Hey, do it right this time. So, I mean, there's a, there's a balancing act. Like anytime you've got kids involved, there's a balancing act. I don't think that I, um, do anything with them that they don't want to do. But when we do it, I want it done right. <laughs> so, and somebody <laughs> might go, well, that's horrible. Okay. Well then never watch modern family, never watch any television show with kids. Definitely don't watch reality TV with children. And, uh, you know, then tell me how you've turned off all that media in your house and then you can preach to me, whatever you want. I'll, I'll listen to you. <laughs> well, let's talk about YouTube for a second. Um, there's a lot that goes into YouTube and a lot of people don't know. And I've actually had it said to me before. I'm sure if people have been said to you, I'm going to start a channel, just have to turn the camera at myself and talk. And you know, I'm going to make a million dollars. Yep. <laughs> and people, and those say people that, are not, right? and those people are not entertaining. They have no idea what goes into it. They don't know the schedule that you have to keep to do these videos. I mean, I could pop out a video a day, but they're not going to be good. I could pop out a video a day, but I won't be spending as much time with my kids. I could do more numbers on YouTube just by putting out more, just by more output. I mean, that's how the algorithm works. If I put out more, YouTube will push me out more and I will do better. That being said, there's a a bit of a balance that you have to find. And one thing I'm very proud of is when people see my videos, and you know this, Justin, because you've seen the comments, they say, your production value is awesome. I mean, at this point, I have a television studio in my house. I have, I've been on TV. I've been to news channels and other, you know, broadcast television stations. And I have a television studio in my house. I have a teleprompter. I've got the computers. I've got lights overhead, permanent rigging. I've got sets. I've got green screens. It's a mini studio. There is so much ridiculous amount of money that I put into this that I probably shouldn't have, but I just cannot stand to see myself put out a product that isn't good. So I'm going to like put out the highest level that I can afford and probably about $5 more than that and, um, <laughs> and keep pushing it. And sure you can put out a video and honestly you could go viral with a cell phone video that's grainy and has bad audio but are you going to make consistent videos and consistent money with it? I don't know. Well, and, I mean, really the, the key to your growth too, isn't just the one hitch. You got to develop that relationship like you're doing, you know, with your, with your viewers and the people that tune in every week. And that's, that's kind of what you're doing. Um, I've talked to you before too, about um, advice, you know, the, the typical YouTuber advice, you see them all becoming a YouTuber and they all say the same thing do it for the love of it. Do it for the passion. Don't do it for the money. And I know that you think differently about that. So I wanted to get your take on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I've had conversations and, and the people that usually come back to me with that are either already rich or are nobodies with no money that say you should just do it because you love it. If you don't love it, you shouldn't do it. Okay. Well, what do you want from it? Do you want to do it to do it? Then fine. You are completely correct. Do it because you love it and just keep doing it. And don't worry about all the headaches. 
and just keep doing what you love. Do you want to support your family doing it? Then you better bust your tail on it. You better treat it like a job, or in my case, a third or fourth job with all the other stuff I do. I produce videos for other companies. I do side projects. I do sponsored posts for Plaid Dad. I do tons of things. There's balls in the air, and you have to keep them all going because when you tick off one ad agency, they don't come back to you. They will not call you back. So yeah, do what you love. That's awesome. Do you want to make money at it and do it permanently? <laughs> then you best go do it. L oh, last night, I had to edit a video at 11.30 p.m. My kids were out of town. I could finally sleep in peace and quiet. But no, I was editing a video and I started at 11.30 p.m. Not finished. And then I went to bed at 2 a.m. Because it needed to be done. And people aren't willing to put in that time. So trust me. It doesn't matter how much you love it at two o'clock in the morning. You're about ready to say, screw it all. Like <laughs> you have to, at some point, treat it like a job that you're going to get fired from, or it's not going to do it. Some people are going to be like, you know, flashes in the pan. They're going to make it and they just did it because they love it. And it's awesome. And I love it for those people. But generally just like the grocery business or hotels or it, you, you make it because you work at it. And I work at it. You know, it could have been not sewing for me. It could have been model making. It could have been uh, building projects. But I will say this. I When I thought about Dad Sews, that very first video, I said, hey, let's just do this on a lark if I destroyed the sewing machine. I took a month and I really thought about it. And I, I looked into sewing online and there were not a lot of guys doing it. Very, very few. The few guys that do it are very big. And um, I said, I can make this bigger than... So I bought a domain in that month. I set up the website in that month. I already had an idea that it had the possibility of being large. So I built it from the beginning with that in mind. And that's why I have Dad Sews and didn't just put it on the Plaid Dad channel, as you asked earlier. I had a vision for it being bigger and so I built it to be bigger. I didn't want to try to expand something that was already in a hole. I, I just built it to be gigantic. Um, you know, regardless of the passion somebody might have, you know, like Justin, you were saying, a lot of people say you gotta do it because you love it. You know, your heart has to be in it. Um, you know, Christian, you're saying you bust your tail. You, it's a job. You gotta do it. How from both of you, because you're both way more into YouTube than I am at this point. How realistic, though, is it for somebody like if somebody says, I want to make money doing this, like clearly making a living is way different than making money. Yeah. Making a living in YouTube is I don't want to say impossible because people do it, but it's really, really rare based on just the sheer numbers of people who are putting out content. But how realistic is it for somebody starting up today saying, you know what, I'm going to start making videos. I want to make some money. I'm going to go do my thing like like, would you recommend people to even do that? Um, uh, I'll s speak for me, but I'm going to rope Justin into it. I know a lot about Justin's channels because we're pals and stuff. So Justin has a, a bunch of channels. So Justin has channel A that makes way more YouTube money than I do. But I make more sponsored money on a channel, on one of my channels than Justin does. Now that's because I found a niche market and I specifically went after a sponsor that I thought wasn't exposed in the marketplace and needed the help 
and I thought I could really provide them something that they couldn't get and I could provide it at a great cost for them and it would be beneficial to me. That is what I did. I went after it like a business. Now, you can do that, but it takes legwork, it takes phone calls, it takes just connecting with people online. Yeah, you can make money at YouTube just from money coming in from YouTube, but you basically make... Um, what is it, uh, Justin? If you have a, a hundred thousand views, that's a thousand dollars. It's around a dollar. It's a dollar per thousand yeah. views. It's a little plus above that, but so, but that's a good round number. So a person that has a hundred thousand views, they're not making that much money. You're not living off of that. If you only get that once a month. Now, if you get that consistently with four videos a month, that's great living for somebody that you can do that. Like people live off of a lot less than that, but you have to be so consistent and so good. You have to hit the market just right. You just have to, I don't know, make an awesome video that goes to 8,000 hits in one day, like a car's Easter egg <laughs> review, <laughs> Justin. And, uh, you know, you have to really hit it, but again, a dollar per thousand. Yeah. So people don't realize that. And, and there's certain tools that you can download onto your computer to see very big YouTubers metrics and see how much they're making. What you don't see is the sponsored money they make, um, from, you know, filming it on this type of a camera from they're just partnerships and relationships. And honestly, I'm in the camp of it's none of your business. As long as they're providing entertainment for you, you know, everybody says, Nowadays online, oh, you've got to say uh, hashtag ad. You got to tell you everything sponsored right up front, right up front. I'm very upfront about my sponsorship. But when you watched Friends, if one of them's holding a Pepsi can, that was never yeah. revealed that Pepsi paid $50,000 an episode because each person made a million. You know, they were bringing in money from all sides. It didn't say, hey, there's a Chinese conglomerate that pays for a third of uh, NCIS or this, that, or the other. That's not in the credits. They don't say it in the show. Hey, we're about to murder somebody, but this episode was brought to you by <laughs> China, Russia, and Trump. I don't know why it was those guys. But, um, you know, like, that's not said. It's stupid. And for anybody to look at a Kardashian's post on YouTube or Instagram and not realize it's sponsored, I think that's on you. I don't really care. They're getting paid to do it. You know why? Because they're billionaires. And why would they be doing it for free? Everything in this country that you watch is advertisement and paid for everything. The assumption should be on the people at this point. It's ridiculous that the FTC, uh, that's my soapbox. But anyway, I mean, PBS was always told to me that they didn't have commercials. But every time I flip on that woman cooking in that North Carolina kitchen, I see an ad for, you know, cat diggers. So, uh, yeah. you know, everything's everything's sponsored. That's how I you make money it. I agree with you. And I think that for people there, there's going to be some people like what Christian was saying earlier, earlier that take off. Like there's a, there's a family vlog in a group that we're in and they started and one of their present opening videos went viral. And since then in nine months, they have almost 500,000 subscribers and it's just unbelievable. That doesn't happen for people. <laughs> they are the one person I've ever heard of that happening for, for family vlogs, especially. And I think People don't, if you're willing to put in the work, I think it can happen, but it's also, you gotta, you have to put in the time and the research. Like the amount of time Christian and I spend talking about strategy is unbelievable. And just, you know, the keyword research and 
how the algorithm works. And then on top of that, you have to make the good content. You have to be willing to put that in or it, I don't know that it will happen for most average people. And you have to fill, I'm learning quickly. Like I started with a family vlog and that was the stupidest decision I've ever made. <laughs> it, it, mostly because everybody is doing a family vlog. No, why do people care about your family when there's a hundred thousand families? That's a, right. I'll say it right. I'll say it. It was a stupid idea to go that way. I started this new Disney channel three days ago and I already have more views on my Disney channel than I had in three years doing my family vlog. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and here's and, the thing. And it's targeted What's the number? Niche, right? That's yeah, why. It's, would they say 400 hours of YouTube, 400 hours of video is uploaded to YouTube every second. Second. So we will never be able to That's watch. That's mind-blowing. We will <laughs> never be able to watch the amount of hours a video that are on YouTube, like as a, a world, it will never be watchable. So if that many hours are uploaded every second, is the news constantly telling you about everybody that just became a millionaire today when they uploaded on YouTube? No, no. Yeah. And somebody's like, I went viral. I got 30 views for them. That is viral for yeah. me. It was going and unfortunately, Justin said millions, but my romper video hit 1.6 million on uh, Facebook, but it didn't do that on YouTube. On YouTube, yeah. it was lower. And that's the thing. There's there's different platforms. Uh, did you get help from this person on Facebook? Did you get boosted on Instagram by this guy? Was this a Twitter? So it, it's not like people follow you around. You have to find your audience. My audience lives on Facebook but I get them to YouTube and that's work. That's actually a job to bring people from social media over to a different social media. Um, but I do it and I film stuff on the weekends. I do live videos. Like I said, with my basic TV studio, I now do live broadcasts that look like, you know, a new show. It's got lower thirds and, and intros and music and everything. So, you know, it's a, it's a job. And if you're not going to treat it like that, then I hope you're lucky. Oh, I was going to say, and you have to be really good at spotting the trends and what's going on. For example, you, well, you do. I, yeah, I don't, well, really... I do not you, not you, but yeah. someone like me, I have to. And Although, especially with my Disney one big channel. video. Yeah. My one big video was the romper video. Exactly. And I did see that exactly. as a trend. And, that, and um, which that's I, how you that's how you get big, right? That's how the one-offs like that. Not necessarily you can slowly grow an audience, but if you have a hit every, you know, twenty-five days, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm still I'm still waiting for a hit every twenty-five days. But yeah, um, the romper thing, I just saw thought it was ridiculous. I thought that romp him was ridiculous, and I was looking at a pair of coveralls in Walmart, and I was like. Oh, I could just hem these and make them into a romper, but then make a really funny video at dadsos.com slash romper. And you can, um, and then my buddy and I were just silly. We went to a park, there were kids at the park and they were all over the, the playground, um, equipment. And I was like, Hey, do you mind if we shoot a video? And they're like, who are you, man? And I'm like, Oh, we're, we're YouTubers. And they're like, oh, you're YouTubers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get out of your way. And I'm like, if they only knew. And so I said, if you stay out of the shot, you can be in my video. And they're like, yeah. So I put them in the end of the video. And then I, I actually saw that kid at the same park a few weeks later. And I said, did you watch the video? He's like, no, man, I typed in your name wrong or something. And I was like, what's well, dad sews. And he went, 
it's sewing? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's sewing, dude. So I pulled out my phone. We had to find a shady spot. So now I'm in a shady area of a park with a kid that I don't know showing him something on my phone. I should have been arrested. And uh, so he's watching it. He's like, oh, I remember that part. I remember that part. And I'm like, yeah, it was two weeks ago. What is the world coming to with these kids? So, yeah. And then, you know, it was good. And then, of course, he ran home to tell everybody that it had gotten one point, I think, three million views at that point. So he was super excited. Yeah, it's amazing. Like when when I went to a hockey game with my son, I just had the camera on like a Casey Neistat because everybody knows who he is, right? So when they see the Gorilla Pod and the camera, they instantly recognize YouTuber. And the kids were like freaking out, like, "Man, what's your YouTube channel? Your YouTuber?" And they're like, "I have three hundred." And you're like, "Prepare to be disappointed." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, I'm not going to be skating around on a boosted board in New York City. Right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. But see, my website has led to my kids getting to ride on a Zamboni at a hockey game to tie it together with you. Like it's led to all that stuff. And, you know, there is like a little bit of a boost for them because they're in a YouTube family. And you said the thing about how vlogs weren't the way to go. I realized that as well. I vlogged for a month for this thing. It's like a vlogging challenge in April a year ago. And I vlogged a cruise and and some other stuff. And it was fun. But what I decided to do is I just have behind the scenes videos at dad sews every once in a while, where that's where I talk about my kids and adoption. And I'll show like a little piece of something we're doing. And that way I can bring in that family connection with fans and they get to see that. But if that's not what they're all about, they're about sewing that might bring in like an extra five or six people. And then the sewing keeps going for the other people. So if you can figure out a way to do both, it works. And once you grow, another thing too, if you grow your channels doing like what you're doing and someday you have a hundred, 500,000 subscribers, you announce, Hey, I have a vlog channel. Those people are coming over to watch your vlog channel. They've connected yeah. with you. They like you, they know you. So I think that that's the order that if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about doing a vlog channel, that's the order you should go because you've established that relationship, right? The trust. If you don't get lucky like that family you talked about, that's the way to go. Like make somebody care about you. I'm in a smaller market. I'm a dude in that market. I'm in Facebook groups for sewing that have 25,000 people. And I'm like one of three guys. So, um, and you know, I'm an oddity and, but the, the, the way I do it is different because I show mistakes. I blow stuff up. I mean, you know, I've got a little bit of myth busters inside of my sewing video, you know, where they want to destroy things. So it's all of that kind of thing that makes me special and gives people a reason to want to watch. And then, like you said, Eventually, there'll just be so many people watching me that they're like, oh, I'll watch you buy toilet paper at Costco because that's what people do because the world's crazy. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to just quickly um, pick your brain about something else because I, I have started to do a little bit of video. Again, I'm not a vlogger. I'm not a regular. Uh, Christian, he just guy. got a G7X too. I don't even have. Oh. Oh, okay. yeah. So he's also <laughs> infinitely wealthy. I yeah. get you. Okay. Um, Daddy so Warbucks I'm... over here. <laughs> um, anyway, I've just done like a bunch of little reviews and things like that. But what I very quickly learned is that the 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 time you spent making a video is not in the prep. It is not in the filming. It is in the editing. 
Right. And for both of you guys, since you have, I've watched both of your videos. There's a lot of cuts. There's a lot of edits. You know, and you watch something like Casey Neistat, and it looks beautiful. But man, he's got like a thousand edits in, in a ten minute video, and you just start doing the math about how long that took. I, I, I mean. What's the learning curve? You know, for people who might not understand that, again, we're talking about people who might want to get into YouTube, might want right. to start doing videos. That was the very first harsh lesson that I learned was like, I don't know crap about video editing. And I very quickly had to teach myself and it still takes me forever. Yeah, I um, I had to learn everything from scratch on my own. I was already versed in Adobe and I have experience um, for, I don't know, 20 years in flash animation, um, which is very helpful because it works the same way that things like Premiere Pro, which I used to edit and they edit like uh, Deadpool was edited on Premiere Pro and After Effects. So yeah. it has uh, the same kind of keyframe idea where you're cutting things. So that was helpful to me. I think a little bit of a boost, but not much. It You just have to learn it. But the thing is, it, YouTube's out there. Anything you want to know, it's on YouTube. And once you like lock into a group of other video content creators, you can go, hey, man, I cannot find this answer on YouTube or this thing didn't work for me. And hey, how does it work? And there really is a community building up around people that create some people don't want to share and they're jerks and I mark all their names down in a book that eventually I will burn with their souls. But, um, you know, I just try to help people. I I've, I've wasted too much time helping some people and I've helped some people that have gone on to better success than I've had. And I've helped some people they are like, I'm going to do what you do. And they make one video and they're like, this is hard. And then they stop. <laughs> so that if you if you shoot a video that you want to be 10 minutes it's usually an hour long shoot or at least for me it's at least 30 to 40 minutes i've gotten it down pretty good actually and i use two cameras um for overhead shots and things and sometimes i do um uh, pre-roll bits and things like that where i show off the clothes that my kids are wearing so uh let's say i spend 45 minutes shooting the video it's 10 minutes long. I'm going to spend three hours editing that video. Now, if you figure in all of that time and let's say I worked a full video job that day for a company, um, that's another eight out six to eight hours on top of my day. So, you know, and I do it. I, I do it because I, I do love the work. Um, I actually enjoy editing and things, so that's fun. And I've learned how to do special effects and smoke coming out of my sewing machine. People are like, oh, I can't believe your sewing machine was on fire. I was like, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I know how to do those things. And I just, I like knowing how to do it. I think it's mm -hmm. pretty cool that I can make lightsabers that look pretty much like Star Wars. So, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. You just have to, you have to learn a lot. You have to be willing to, like I said, put yep. in a lot of work and, there are plenty of people that set up a phone in their living room with a big natural lit window in front of them. And they just record a vlog and them talking about the news and they have 2 million subscribers and I love it. And I would, I wish them all the success in the world. I don't begrudge anybody their money, but to say I'm not jealous would be dishonest because, um, usually that means they got in early on YouTube, but it, it could just mean they got popular quickly. And, um, 
you roll the dice, you put out your video, you see if it's going to do anything. My first video was in front of my big green screen wall and it looked horrible. And I thought that that was the way to go. Then I kind of built a set and I had a little green screen behind me where you would see the sewing, but nobody could really see it. Then I figured out, Hey, watch a TV show. They cut to a full screen of what you're doing. Why would I not mm -hmm. do that? People aren't willing to do that. When we made the office space video, I watched that one scene and wrote down every shot they made. I wrote down the shots. I wrote yep. down the angles. It was 23 shots for a, a, a minute 12 video, 23 shots. I had to recreate those with no camera person and an eight and six year old. <laughs> so, you know, credit to me for pulling that off. Sorry. But, um, you know, people don't realize that. And if you want to make a certain type of show, why would you not go to mm -hmm. PBS and go, okay, I'm making a building show. Why don't I look at the way they cut mm -hmm. this old house and write it down, try to recreate those shots. And, and that's how they say filmmakers yeah. should learn nowadays. Don't go to film school, watch De Palma yeah. and write down his shots, recreate every single shot from your favorite movie, the lighting, the sound, the action. And then when you figure out how to do that, you will be a great filmmaker already. So that's what that's, I'm trying to that's do. Exactly. Right. You learn by imitating, I think. And as far as editing goes, I went to, I have a, I have a diploma in media digital media. So I, I learned all that stuff in college, but um, beyond that though, I, I, you just have to do it. Like you, if you watch tutorials on YouTube and yeah, at first you're probably going to take six hours to edit a video, but eventually you get it down. Like I think my first vlog that I ever put out, it was tw 12 hours. <laughs> I think I sat there editing it <laughs> easily tw 12 hours. And now, and now I yeah. can sit down and probably get one out in an hour and a half for a vlog the studio type stuff like with my disney channel that takes a lot longer i'm still uh, i'm only three videos in so i'm i'm really i'm like christian's the the guy with the studio this is my first time ever filming in the studio so <laughs> i'm trying to learn all the tips and but it's, it's a it's a curve and you have to be willing to devote the time i was up till 4 a.m the other night so there's a lot of 4 a.m 3 a.m nights and and it's just if you want to do it and make it somewhere you have to put in the time basically and I'm not willing to sacrifice time with my kids. So when they come home from school, I spend the time with them until they go to bed. Then I try to spend a half an hour or an hour with my wife because she deserves much, much more, but she's willing to just take that little bit of time. And then, then at 10 or 11, I start, you know, and I want to spend the time with my kids. It's important to them, but if I have built up uh, a little mini media empire and I get to spend all my days in the summer with them, then better for me that I put in some work and blood, sweat and tears while they were asleep. And yeah, I don't get that much sleep, but I have built something that they can get into. My son's learning Photoshop and Premiere and After Effects and filming. My kids are learning how to hit marks, good sound. Um, you know, I think that the reason my son started his lawn mowing business this year is because he saw how a business was run with YouTube and videos and blogging. And he was like, I can do that, but offer a service that people need in my area. And I was like, yes, you can be a little entrepreneur and smacked his button, send him on his way. So, um, you know, it's just, they want to imitate their parents. And if you're providing them a good example like that, I think that there's nothing better. I think we could talk 
for another hour easily about i mean i can't i'm i I love youtube talk and talking about it so yeah because i i could easily i could easily just keep going about you know stuff we haven't even talked about yet which is you know more family stuff and mixed, yeah. mixed race families, you know, what our well, have me back experience on. is there. We'll yeah. I'm not a big star, but you can have me back <laughs> on. <laughs> so we could go on for a long time and thank you so much, Christian, for coming in. Uh, it was, I love picking your brain and I, and guys, if you haven't followed him or if this is your first time hearing about Christian, go check out his website. Dad. So how is your YouTube URL? Dad's youtube.com slash dad's. Yeah, everything's dad sews slash dad sews on YouTube slash dad sews on Facebook and at dad sews on Instagram and Twitter, which I'm horrible at, but hey, I do it. And I that's where I upload like pictures of my kids and things like that. So, you know, uh, yeah, follow me there. I'm, I'm happy to chat with anybody. And if somebody does go, well, I want to be a YouTuber just like you. Look, I'll entertain you. I'll talk to you for a little while and and tell you what you need and talk about equipment. I've been known to send equipment to people that do YouTube. So um, it happens. So yeah, hit me up online. I'm always willing to chat it up. Thank you so much for coming back week after week. If you haven't, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, make sure you do that. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the GBB podcast. I am Justin at 140 Justin C. Yeah, I am Jamie at the Roarbots. And we will see you next time. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.